Turning to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. We're going to review the Great Commission to the disciples of Jesus Christ. We put special emphasis on, maybe, or curious about, last words. What the last thing someone says before they pass on, the last words that someone say to you, they're important to us and hold meaning. And if that's true for us, it's also true for this gospel. So when Matthew's writing the gospel, he has a purpose when he writes this. And he has a reason for ending it the way he does. So what I'm trying to point out is these last few verses must be very important. It is the exclamation point at the end of his work, what he wants to leave us with. And what that is, is the great commission that Jesus Christ gives to his disciples as they gather together there on the mountain before he ascends into heaven after his resurrection. So I want to read to you Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and we need to really look at the great commission, understand how it applies to us, how it applies to you individually, so that we might be faithful to the last words that our Lord left here to us through Matthew's gospel. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. The Great Commission is very interesting, and I want to start out with something that is odd, maybe, in the text. It says that, When they saw Jesus, this is after he's risen from the dead, after he's revealed himself to many. It says, when Jesus met them on this mountain, that they worshipped him. That's not the odd part. The odd part says, but some doubted. There's two things to think about that. Number one, it is right and good to worship Jesus. We should worship him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of God and Son of man. And to him we owe our allegiance and all of our worship. And even though they saw him raised and on the mountain, some doubted. It reminds me of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Y'all remember that? The rich man walked by Lazarus every day as he went in his house and Lazarus was covered with sores and the dog licked them. And the rich man didn't do anything to help him. They both died on the same night and Lazarus was taken to the bosom of Abraham and comforted and the rich man went to hell and in his torment he begged Abraham that someone might come and put a drop of water on his tongue the torment and agony was so agony was so great and Abraham said we can't do that there's a gulf here we can't go from here to you you were comforted in your life while Lazarus suffered and now you're suffering and he said the rich man said I have five brothers please send someone back that they might not come to this awful place Abraham says they have the prophets, they have the word of God. If they won't listen to those, they will not listen, listen even if someone comes back from the dead. He said, oh, no, they would listen. But yet here, the disciples gathered on the mountain and some doubt. So what's your thought on this? I want you to think about that. What do you think about the fact that some on the mountaintop doubted? 
what did they doubt? Why does Matthew include it at the end? You know, we're kind of wanting to end on a high note here, Matthew. Why are you mentioning that some people doubt? What do you think? Why do you think he put it in there? What do you think his purpose was to put it there? What are we supposed to be thinking about? Are there those in here who doubt even today? I imagine that there are. Even some who do believe. Even those who love Jesus doubt. Remember Thomas? He loved Jesus. But he said, I will not believe unless I can put my finger in his side. Remember that? Jesus appeared to him and said, hey, Thomas, put your finger in my side and in my hands. But he didn't leave him with doubt. He didn't say your doubting's okay. He said, stop doubting and believe. So before the Great Commission comes, the reason we can't fulfill it is because we doubt. I think that's why it's here. The reason that we don't fulfill the command of Christ is because you doubt. You doubt Jesus. You doubt the power of the Spirit. I doubt the power of the Spirit. We doubt ourselves. We doubt a million things, and so we don't do it. So this morning, the command of Christ to all of us is this. Stop doubting and believe. Why should we stop doubting? Well, he's the risen Lord. He says here in verse 17, sorry, no, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The Great Commission is based on the authority of Christ. So stop doubting. We have all the authority that will ever be given to do this commission. Jesus is the king of the world. He is the king of the universe. And he has given an order, a command to do this. So no law on planet earth can forbid you from preaching the gospel. There is no law of man that can stop you. It is not illegal to preach the word of God, though some countries may make it so. It is not so because the law of Christ supersedes every man-made law on the face of the earth. You can smuggle Bibles wherever you want. You can take the gospel wherever you want. You can preach wherever you want. Every hillside and every holler, you can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are no closed countries. Jesus has opened them all with this command. And now however you got to do, be wise as serpent, harmless as doves. you got to sneak there. you got to go by cover. you got to hide in the dark. Whatever you do, it is not illegal. It is illegal on earth, but not in heaven. Even, even here, we understand this. You cannot make a state law that supersedes federal law. doesn't matter how bad Alabama might want to make something legal or illegal. It does not trump federal law. No matter what king or despot or tyrant or elected democracy tries to make a law against the command to preach the gospel, it does not supersede the law of Christ. So stop doubting and make disciples. Jesus' law is higher. That doesn't mean that Jesus wants us to neglect our jobs or to get into gospel quarrels with employees or employers. There's a time and a place for everything. We must be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Respect the rules. Don't be a jerk. But don't neglect the gospel. Tell others the gospel. The point is that Jesus has spoken as the king. And that means nothing can or should stop us from taking the gospel into all the earth. So now then, that we know the authority we have to preach it. Jesus has given us blanket authority. When you go to heaven, Jesus will never rebuke you for preaching the gospel. And that would rebuke us for the condition of our heart, but not because we preach the gospel. So let's look at the commission that he gives to us that we have all authority to do. He says in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And I'm going to break this down for you as best I can so you can understand this 
what you're supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do. First question is, is this for you? Is this commission for me? Or is it just for the apostles on the hillside? Some will say, well, this is just the apostles commissioning to go preach the gospel into all the earth. That can't be true. The reason it's not true is because if that's true, then baptism was just for the apostles. They're linked together. The commission is for the church for all time until Jesus returns. So it's for us and it's for you. He was talking to them and he's talking to us. And there's only one imperative, and that means like command in this verse. The command is make disciples. It's an imperative. Now, I don't usually go geeky-greeky with you, but in this instance, I have to because you can't see it. Sorry. You can look it up later and make sure I'm telling you the truth and get home. You don't have to read Greek. Or if you do, you can break open your Bible and check my stuff. The command is on make disciples not going. Now, I'm not saying going is not part of it. If you want to understand the Great Commission, what you have to understand, the primacy, the highlighted part, the exclamation point of it, if you will, is make disciples. And then there are three participles. If there's any Greek uh, English teachers in there, they'd be so proud of me today. There are three. Going, baptizing, teaching. So the command is make disciples. And here's how you do it. You go... You baptize, you teach. This is what we're called to do. So if I was on the Greek committee, translating the SV, I would have translated this, when you are going, make disciples. See, now that's a little different because it doesn't just mean synagogue, though it does mean there. <laughs> throwing a pitch in for you, brother. We need people to go to synagogue. It doesn't mean you've got to go to Tanzania. It's as you're going. Remember, I read Deuteronomy 11 earlier. I was doing that on purpose, see? Yeah, I was setting you up for this. The Great Commission, maybe you want to think, what does it mean when I'm going? It means this. When you're walking by the way, when you're sitting in your house, when you go to bed, and when you get up, that's when you're going. When you go to work, what you talk about in your car? When you're there at work, what you talk about with your friends? When you're coming home, what you talk about on the way home. That's when you're going. When you're on a plane, going overseas to the mission trip. What are you doing? When you are going. As you go, make disciples. It never stops. Mission, the commission, doesn't start when you get there. It starts now. Today. As you go. Make disciples. It's your command. It's to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to me, but he's also talking to you. Are you talking to me? He's talking to you. Make disciples as you go. This is your job. You got to teach your kids. You have to talk to your husband about it. Talk to your wife. Talk to your friends. Everybody. As you go, make disciples. Not just with your words, though you must use them, but also in how you act, how you behave, everything that comes out of your mouth. You are making disciples. Pretend you're the only Christian anybody knows. So that they'll know what a Christian ought to act like. You have to be that person. As you go, make disciples. So the first thing you're responsible for, even as you leave this place, walking out the door, you're going. You're making disciples. You make disciples whether or not you decide to get up and come on Sunday morning. You're teaching people stuff all the time. As we go, we teach. 
You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, that's as you go. And then we should baptize. Baptism is making disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The first explicit mention of the Trinity in the Gospels. I want you to look very closely at verse 19. How many names are there? Three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the word name in verse 19 is singular. That's not good English. In the names, there's got three names here of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he didn't say that. He said name. He's not a bad grammarian. That means he's not bad at Greek. He's good at it. And what Matthew is telling you here is there's one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Every single person that goes into the baptismal pool should know this. That they are being baptized in the name of the one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism is making disciples. Buried with Him. Your old life is dead. Jesus expects you to repent of your sin and leave them. It's over. It's washed away. And when you rise, you are raised to walk in the newness of life. Every single person ever baptized needs to know this. It's making disciples. You are not who you used to be. You cannot be. Jesus has called you to repentance. We're new. This is what baptism is. For all time, until the end of the age, we baptize them in the name of the Father who loved us enough to send His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will never perish but have eternal life. We we baptize them in the name of the Son who was willing from all eternity to rescue us from our sin. We baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit who even this morning saves us from our sin, is with us now, teaching us, guiding us, and I hope convicting us so that as we go, others might know Jesus. It is the commission of the church to baptize. It's part of making disciples. That is the commission. We're teaching them to obey whatever he has commanded us. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. How are you going to teach them everything Jesus taught? How will you be taught everything Jesus taught? It's taken us two years, two months to get through Matthew. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that's all good, but I at least cannot be accused of not being thorough. (laughs) I want you to know everything Jesus said. And that's why we don't skip any. I got some verses I like to preach because they're easier to preach than others. But when we go through this Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, we have to hear it all. And some of it's confusing, and some of it's hard, and some of it's convicting. Maybe all of it's convicting. We need to know all he said. That's my job and yours. It's not just my job, it's your job. Be a disciple, make a disciple. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You say, oh, wait. That's what you're doing when you go through Matthew. Yes, but how are you... Listen, this is your job. How are you going to teach all that he has commanded 
if you don't know it? How are you going to know it? What are you teaching about Jesus? Are you teaching the Word of God or what you think you know? How schooled are you in the Word? Are you adequate for the task that Jesus has given you? And the answer is, who is adequate for these things? <laughs> but you better be after it. And you better work. This is the work that our Lord's given us. He's the king. We are his subjects. And he's saying, teach all that I have commanded you. Your job is to teach all that he's commanded you. My job is to help you prepare to do that. So we teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. The parts we think are easy, the parts that we think are hard. Teaching them. That means wherever you go, as you go, you're making disciples. We should be reading books together. We should be talking about them. We should be thinking about how does this apply to my life? How can I be more like Christ? And we should be worried that when others don't grow in discipleship and we should want to help them grow in their discipleship. We are to make disciples as we go. Baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's two ways this commission works. It's not just you. You're not in it all by yourself. Don't worry. It's a church endeavor. But every single member has responsibilities in all of these areas. We have responsibility to do the commission our Lord said. Because this gospel must be preached in all nations. And when you read nations here, I don't want you to think like, just United States, Canada, Mexico, Iraq, Iran, Guatemala. That's not exactly what that means. It can be translated peoples. All peoples. Not neatly divided lines we have on a map, but every single people group in the world needs to know about Jesus and they need to be made disciples of so that they can make disciples too. That's our job. That's why we go back and forth to all these countries. That's why we send missionaries. It's not just a, it definitely is not us saving the world. It is equipping those who are there to equip others. They might preach the gospel. That they might be making disciples of others. The imperative is to make disciples. So ask yourself this morning, honestly, how are you making disciples? You say, I don't feel adequate to make disciples. I don't think I can. I don't know enough. Some worshiped, but some doubted. Where there's the doubt. I can't do it. That's true. But we got to believe that if all, heaven, if all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, he gives us a command. The thing he commands us to do, he will equip us to do. But we need to go and read and learn and study and get books and read from teachers and listen to sermons and think about the things of the Lord so that we might pass that on to others. This is what Paul told Timothy he said, the things which I have teach, taught you in the presence of many teach to others that they might teach others also. It's our job. Don't doubt. Because here's the promise. It's beautiful. I am with you always. To the end of the age. Jesus has promised that he will never leave or forsake us. And as long as we are about his business, he is on business with us. He will never leave us. Our brothers and sisters have endured. They have endured horrors, the most terrible horrors the world can imagine. They've thrown our brothers and sisters into deep, dark holes and left them there to die. 
And Jesus never left them. They have endured torture on the rack. They have been drowned to death. They have been beaten. They have been burned. They have been tortured in every way people can imagine. And Jesus was with them through it all. First martyr we know of is Stephen. Stephen was preaching the gospel. His name in Greek means crowned one. I like that. Preached the gospel to the Jewish leadership, Sanhedrin. They dragged him outside to stone him to death. There was a young man there holding their cloaks by the name of Saul of Tarsus. You may have heard of him. And they killed Stephen. And the last thing he saw before he died was Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Because Jesus did not leave him or forsake him. Behold, saw every single thing that went on. And was with him through it all. And Stephen saw him and said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't hold this sin against them. Saul of Tarsus was converted. I'm sure largely due to the testimony of Stephen. And Paul picked up the commission and went everywhere he could possibly get to preaching the gospel. And one day he finally got to heaven and got to hug Stephen's neck for his faithfulness to the commission. Isn't that beautiful? This is what we are called to do. Make disciples, no matter what the cost. Because in the end, whatever we pay, it will be worth it. Whatever we give will be rewarded. 10, 20, 30, 100 fold in this life and the one to come. You will never regret in heaven time spent, things dared for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what the gospel does is save people. It saves them from their sin forever. So all those who believe on his name will be with us in heaven. And even should we go and preach and no one believe, our Lord will be there forever. And when we are faithful to him, he is faithful to us. Actually, he's faithful to us when we're not even faithful to him. He is is good and kind. So this morning, ask yourself, now those gospel stories are so beautiful, but what is your gospel story? How are you making disciples? What will be said of you? How will you pass on and fulfill your duty to make disciples of this glorious gospel? Here's what you need to do, okay? As you go, you make disciples. But as you're going, be a Christian. And what I mean by that is you be full of joy. We need to be the most joyful people on the face of the earth because we... Our Lord's beat death for us. We can't die. We have the joys of heaven to look forward to for all of eternity. And every single sick and sad and sorry thing we've ever done, the Lord has wiped it out. So as you go, be joyful. Tell others what I just told you. And not just tell them, but live it. People can see joy. It's infectious. It's a savor of Christ. So be joyful as you go. Pray for people. Disciple them so that the church can baptize them. And then as you go, teach them. Teach them by how you react to adversity. Teach them by how you are faithful to go to church, not but just because some rule compels you, but because you want to be with the people of the Lord, and that's evident in your life. Have the joy of being with God's people. Teach them through lifelong discipleship that Jesus is worth more than anything else on earth. And if we will do this, the Lord... The Lord will be with us. And he will make disciples. And we will from here, this spot, 
that may seem small to you, we will, we will make disciples of people in many countries, in many nations. And if the Lord tarries, because of the seeds of faithfulness we planted, thousands of people, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, will be touched and changed by our faithfulness. How could it be? How many people were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? Do you know? 120. 120. Today, 2.5 billion. <laughs> That's pretty good growth. Now, I don't know if all of those are saved, but I sure hope so. And if everything goes the way I like it, we'll add a few more billion to it before it's over. Be faithful. Make disciples. Go. Baptize. Teach. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to join you in this commission. You love your son, Father. We love him. We want his name to be famous in all the earth. Help us to proclaim the gospel to all nations. Holy Spirit, give us the joy to be infectious to others that they might know 